Hello my lovelies and welcome to another episode of Primed for Crime. I am your host Liv and I'm very excited to have you here and hope you enjoy today's case. Now today's case is about a 29 year old man named Ben Rennick and he was a renowned Missouri snake breeder that tragically was found dead by his wife Lindley and it was first believed that one of his snakes was responsible for his death but it turns out that there's a lot more snakes in his life than he first thought. Now, I actually watched a documentary about this case on Disney Plus called How I Caught My Killer, and that is where I got most of my information today. Um, if you do have Disney Plus, I would highly recommend going and watching it as well. It's the very last episode on the series, I believe. Um, so yeah, that is where I have got most of my information if not all um it's very informative and it shows clips of like police interviews obviously i can't put clips of it in but i have quoted um but before we get on to the case i just want to state again everything i talk about today is just information i have found online and i mean no disrespect to anybody involved or mentioned and today's episode does include brief mention of physical and sexual abuse and suicide. So if this is something that you're not comfortable listening to at the moment, then please feel free to click out of the podcast. So, let's begin. This is the murder of Ben Rennick. So Ben Rennick was 29 years old at the time and he was living in New Florence, Missouri, creating an absolute fortune in snakes. And I mean, a bloody fortune. So Ben and his older brother Sam grew up on the Rennick family farm and from a young age, Ben was always fascinated with snakes. Sam even recalls him uh, always out in the wilderness trying to catch snakes and, you know, soon enough he turns that fascination into an actual business which absolutely boomed and he became the most well-known person in the reptile community. As well as his love for snakes, he had a wife, um, Lindley, absolute love of his life and he, she was a huge part of his life as well as the reptiles and, you know, they had a relatively busy lifestyle with the snake business, Rennick Reptiles, and also Lindley operated a spa in Columbia, Missouri. Now Lindley was loved by everybody that knew her and was described as perfect for Ben. Their friend Cheryl Matula, who also worked with exotic animals, actually said in the documentary that Lindley was quote, the sweetest person ever, extremely kind, and they seemed so in love, end quote. So a little bit more about the snakes that he raises. Some of Ben's anacondas are 12 to 15 feet long and weigh more than 400 pounds, which is large enough to be lethal. And no, I'm really not a big fan of snakes. Tiny little ones, sure. But when they're absolutely massive like that, it freaks me out a bit. Um, And in the documentary, it looks like they're kind of all stored in this big room with like loads of little boxes, enclosures, and I'm pretty sure they call it the snake barn. Um, But yeah, they're just all in this room, like it's all, it's like white, you can see pictures online, just this big white room with just, they look like storage boxes, that's the only way that I could really describe what it looks like, but they're all just full of snakes or snake eggs. Um, Yeah, not for me. 
Um, so at this point, we've got this young, happy family living on this big country estate with a really, really successful reptile business and obviously the spa as well. However, on June 8th, 2017, everything gets turned upside down. On June 8th, 2017, Ben's older brother Sam was working at the farm when he receives a phone call from Lindley and she is absolutely hysterical so he gets straight in his car and heads down to find out what is going on. However, when he arrives, she leads him into the snake barn where he found Ben's body, face down, surrounded in blood, which would be so traumatic. You know, that's not a way that somebody should find their younger brother and he actually said in the documentary quote when i saw ben's head the way it was his skull had been crushed in my mind the only thing that could have happened would have been an accident with the snakes end quote there is also a recording on there of the 911 call to the police and you can hear Lindley in the background just screaming, my husband's on the ground, there's blood everywhere and then Sam's on the phone as well like oh my god, oh my god, my brother's dead and what the police would be walking into would be like nothing they ever imagined. So when the sheriff's deputies and EMTs arrive they are all under the impression that there is this killer snake um, on the loose somewhere in this property and they walk in through the door where Linley is sobbing uncontrollably and you know they're trying to ask her where is the big anaconda where's this huge anaconda because that's what they were thinking could have killed Ben but Linley doesn't seem to be under the impression that that happened she says quote we don't have anything that would do that end quote so the deputies continue moving forward into the snake barn, obviously conscious about where they are stepping, looking around, and it's obviously going to be a little bit weird and maybe even scary for some, uh, for someone who is not familiar with this sort of stuff. And I actually recall one of them like turning around, going, "Holy shit!" Like it was just really they weren't really sure what they were walking into. But eventually they get to the back of the room where they find Ben's body and he's just lifeless in a pool of blood. However, they didn't find any evidence of a loose snake, so there was no, like, smears of blood across, you know, like um, a snake path, if that makes sense. There was no evidence, but they do spot some evidence on Ben's body. They found two little bite marks on him, which further worries the police and the paramedics that this snake was responsible for this and was somewhere on the property. So after realising there was nothing that they could do for Ben, the coroner was sent in and soon enough, what seemed like a violent snake attack become far more questionable and sinister. Ben's brother Sam recalled waiting outside the facility when the coroner came out and told him that his death wasn't caused by a snake at all. Ben had been shot. But who would do something like this? I mean, as far as everybody is concerned, Ben was loved by everyone around him. He had a, a loving family, he had his snake business, and that had skyrocketed. So I guess that leaves 
everybody around him a suspect and this is exactly kind of how the police were treating it they really weren't sure who would do such a violent thing and obviously ben's family and friends were in complete shock when they found out that he'd been murdered however fears grow when they find out that ben's murder was a lot worse than they originally thought At the crime scene, police found shell casings, bullet fragments, all throughout the snake barn. And this showed that Ben had been shot not once, not twice, but eight times. Somebody had shot this poor innocent man eight times. Now in the documentary, Sammy's brother recalled, quote, his skull was crushed from the eighth bullet that's why at first i thought it was a snake when i first saw him because his head was destroyed end quote which i cannot even imagine but i just don't get who would do something like that you know not once not twice but eight times i mean that to me anyway seemed like overkill or maybe more personal attack i mean whoever this was absolutely wanted to make sure that ben was dead for good Now, members of the reptile community like Cheryl and Ben's best friend Chase desperately wanted to know what happened to their friend. But at this point, there was no murder weapon. There was, um, they didn't really have a suspect or a motive. But if they did, then they definitely weren't sharing it with anybody. They were absolutely keeping their cards very close to their chests. So with no solid answer from the police, people started to talk, as they do. And there was a theory about a possible robbery gone wrong. Now, it's no secret that Ben's snakes cost a lot of money. Thousands of dollars each, and, well, he has thousands of them, so an absolute shit ton of money in snakes. So there was this kind of idea that maybe somebody in the reptile community was looking for quick money and thought, you know what, I could just go and steal Ben's snakes or his eggs or whatever... Um, he could have gone to do that or she um, and bumped into Ben and ultimately had to kill him you know that was kind of the first theory that was floating around but then again when I first heard this it didn't really sit right with me I mean normally when somebody breaks into a robbery and I'm not saying this is obviously the same for every case but if somebody breaks in to steal something and they get caught nine times out of ten they'll just run they don't really go in there not that I'm a robber or anything but I'm pretty sure I've listened to some sort of video of some police guy talking about it really can't remember but I do remember him saying if it is a robbery nine times out of ten the burglar will just get up and they'll run they'll leave they don't go in with the intention of hurting people so anyway um you know this is what people thought and they were pretty adamant that this is what happened however within two days his close friends and family get told that all the snakes were accounted for there was nothing missing nothing stolen so that just drives that theory to a dead end but just as quickly as that ended a new theory starts to form Just before Ben had died, he had been working on a deal that would have completely changed his life for the better. Now, it turns out he had made a million dollar deal to sell most of his pythons and anacondas to this hockey player. Not sure who, but a hockey player. 
So the plan was for this hockey guy to basically pay Ben in instalments throughout the year. So I think it was $200,000 every quarter throughout that year. And surprise, surprise, around the time the next payment was due, Ben was murdered. Now, perhaps someone in Ben's inner circle wanted a share of Ben's success. Maybe a rival breeder kind of had it out for him. I mean, Ben is one of the best snake breeders there is. He was super successful, top of his game. So it really wouldn't be a huge surprise if he had this target on his back. So we all know that people in the reptile community could definitely benefit from Ben's murder. But who else would have had a motive for killing Ben? Because if they focus all their efforts into this and it turns out it's not, you know, authorities really need to start looking at people maybe closer to Ben. And this is when Ben's brother Sam came onto the police radar. Sam and his family lived on the Rennick property and it turns out him and Ben hadn't quite been getting along before Ben was murdered. In the documentary, Cheryl Matula says, quote, One of the last times I spoke to Ben, he was clearly aggravated and venting about his brother, end quote. And she was saying that there's basically definitely something going on, like he seemed a bit stressed. And Cheryl said that Sam was the first person that she suspected. So at this point in the documentary, Sam is brought in for questioning. Now, like I said, I can't put audio of the interview on, but I have quoted word for word. So first off, this is what Sam says. He says, quote, Ben and I aren't close. Ben and I don't have a lot in common. And we just didn't hang out or talk, really, even though we live next door to each other. He liked to brag a lot, and that's one of the reasons I didn't like hanging around Ben. He's always talking money. Ben got ownership of the land, and I got most of the money, and Ben couldn't afford the land without the money, so we had to work together to make it happen. It was all complicated, end quote. So it's clear that they had been arguing over money and who owns the property, and this is all the same in Lindley's interview. However, she kind of states something slightly different. She says, quote, Ben and I actually own all of the property. Sam kind of basically just went to Ben and he was like, you need to give me half the property. Ben was like, no, I'm not going to give you half of the property. Then they were like, well, we can't afford to live out here. We're going to move, end quote. So she's saying pretty much the opposite, kind of. She's then asked what Sam is like as a person in general, and then she replies, quote, I mean, he has a kind of depressed personality. He's overdramatic. I don't know. He's just so different than Ben. He's a lot more in your face, end quote. So it's kind of becoming clear that Lindley isn't exactly a huge fan of Sam. And Sam was told um, he was a person of interest and that he needed to stay put, which he did. And as for Lindley, it's always possible that she could be involved. There was nothing at this point in time that kind of pointed towards her. But people did start to have their suspicions. And this is when the police managed to track down one of Lindley's former boyfriends. And this was a man named Michael Humphrey. Now, Michael is interviewed by the police and he says that he was in Colombia getting a massage at Lindley's spa that day. He said that he went there, got the massage, then left. 
nothing more. That's it, and this seemed to be another dead end, so many questions, no answers. Now, Lindley takes the kids and moves in with her father. However, just literal days after Ben's death, Lindley makes an announcement that seriously stirs the pot. Lindley tells everybody that she wants to unload the snake business and the farm. Now, Ben had just taken out a $1 million life insurance policy on himself, and because he didn't have a will when he died, all of his assets went to Lindley. She got everything. Now, shortly after this, Sam finds out he's got 30 days to leave the property because Lindley was going to sell it, which Sam had a really hard time with. You know, that home was everything to him, his family home. He'd grown up there with Ben, he'd made memories there. Then all of a sudden, he finds out that his brother's dead and now he has to literally leave the home. You know, to me, it's not fair, but, you know... I mean, eventually, Sam and his family are evicted from the house and by autumn 2017, uh, Cheryl Matula and her boyfriend were living on the property to look after all of Ben's snakes. Now, the months passed by and the authorities just weren't willing to talk, they weren't willing to share updates, apart from the fact that the investigation was still ongoing. Um, Again, no updates, no arrests, no justice for Ben, there was just nothing. Um, I mean, for all anyone knows, somebody could still be out there kind of trying to, trying to get Ben's snakes. Could they still be waiting for that opportunity now nobody's at the farm? Well, Cheryl is. But this is exactly what Cheryl was now thinking. She was living at this house and she was terif- terrified. I keep saying terrified. <laughs> she was terrified and afraid that the killer might come back and she would be the one that was there um however Lindley still had her suspicions about Sam and she was suggesting that Sam's relationship with Ben was a motive to hurt him the money the property you know that that whole thing but to be honest the whole history of the family farm was more complicated than first meets the eye So let's just unravel it a little bit. Right, now, back in the 80s, their father, Frank, decided to start a pet food company. He then bought the land and built the house, but unfortunately, there was a huge gas leak and the house actually exploded, which completely destroyed everything they owned, every memory, every just everything of theirs, which would be so awful. Um, And shortly after this as well, their mother was sadly diagnosed with cancer. Frank then spent the next 15 years trying his best to kind of juggle the business, juggle looking after his wife, until everything came tumbling back down again on June 4th, 2012. Frank was indicted by federal grand jury. Yeah. He'd actually taken investors' money and used it to pay back other investors. So Frank has taken a lot of money from a lot of people, I think about a million dollars in fact, and it finally come back full circle to bite him. And he could possibly lose everything, especially the farm, but Frank just refused to let that happen. And unfortunately, 
Frank decided to take his own life on Father's Day and Sam was the one who found him in the home. So this is why some people believe that maybe Frank's scam years earlier maybe provoked a killer to finally seek revenge. Perhaps it could have been one of the investors that he ripped off. But there is still no evidence um, that this was the case. There was no evidence of anything at all, actually. Until one day in October 2017, four months after Ben's death, something strange happens up at the farm property. Could this be a new potential lead in solving Ben's murder? Somebody came to the property looking for Sam and Cheryl told this person that he no longer lived on the property. And then this guy goes on to talk about the murder, and he somehow knew that Ben had been shot in the head. And this was a detail that not even Cheryl knew. So obviously she's freaked out and she contacts the police and lets them know immediately. So all of a sudden we've gone from literally nothing um, to this, which is crazy, but they just don't know who it is still and investigators started to search for an upset or angry investor however eyes started to shift onto Lindley when she got into a new relationship and drops yet another bombshell Lindley's new boyfriend is a local man named Brandon Blackwell and in January 2017 seven months after Ben's death Lindley announces that she is in fact pregnant with Brandon's child. Now naturally people were shocked but Brandon and Lindley seemed happy I guess and they got their own home and it seemed like Lindley was moving on. I mean some might think too soon but I guess you can't judge people. People you know grieve in different ways and all that. So as Lindley's moving on Ben's friends and family's can't they still need answers and the police just still don't seem to have any and then the months turn into years and then it's two and a half years but then again we get another big plot twist that completely spins this case on its back so on the january 14th 2020 investigators hit the jackpot Lindley's new boyfriend, Brandon, gets arrested on criminal charges including stalking. So after their child was born, their relationship took a hit and it blows up and Lindley decides to file a restraining order and he is charged with two counts of first degree stalking and five counts of violating a restraining order. Now Brandon is taken into the police station with a pretty significant bond and I guess Um, in order to get some he had to give some so he sits down with the authorities and claims to know some vital information Brandon claims to have information about Ben Rennick's murder he said that over the length of their relationship he would often ask her about Ben's murder and he said that something seemed off when Lindley um, whenever he would mention it to Lindley something seemed off with her So in his interview with police, he says, quote, I just had a really odd feeling about it. The stories weren't right and I kept poking her about it and, you know, I was like, I need to know what really happened, end quote. 
He tells the Missouri State Highway Patrol investigators that Lindley had shot Ben. He said, quote, Ben's in there, you know, cleaning whatever, against that back wall. She walks in with a gun and Ben's like, what the fuck are you doing? And then she just shoots him a bunch of times and leaves, end quote. But how do we know if he's telling the truth? Because is he telling the truth? Or could this maybe be revenge on Lindley for getting him in jail? But then what would Lindley's motive be to kill Ben? Well, if you listen to true crime, then you've probably maybe already thought about this. And to me, it's pretty simple if you think about it. I mean, what are the main motives anyway? Money, sex, power. So in this case, Ben had just sold his snakes for almost a million dollars. He was the sole owner of that property, so when he died, everything would go to Lindley like we previously went over. So between the life insurance money, which was a million, the snakes, a million, and the family farm, again, about a million, she was set to inherit about three million dollars, which ding, 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 huge motive for Lindley. So the Brandon tells the police not to take just his word for it, but there are two other people that could corroborate this story. Brandon gives two names, Ashley Shaw and Rachel Hunt, who work for Lindley at her spa. Ashley was the spa manager and Rachel was an ethnetician. I think I said that right. Um, so, it wasn't till after that that the police had reached out to them. So this would be the first time that police had even spoken to them. And when they do speak, they seem to have the same story as Brandon. Now, Ashley told police that she knew Lindley was plotting to kill Ben. And in fact, helped her with certain aspects of it. The state gave her immunity from first-degree murder charges in exchange for the information, which blows my mind. I find that crazy. She can just admit to plotting and helping kill somebody, and she doesn't get first-degree murder. Anyway, the plot thickens. Remember the name Michael Humphrey, Lindley's ex-boyfriend? Well, when Michael was interviewed for the first time, he said at the time that he got a massage went home. And in 2017, the police had no reason to hold him. He was let go. However, when Michael was interviewed in 2020, his story seems to change, and rather drastically. So now, Michael admits he went to the farm with Lindley the day that Ben was murdered. So in the documentary, Michael gives an account of what happened. So he recalled that... Earlier in the day, Lindley was telling him that she was being abused by Ben from physical to sexual altercations. And he said that Lindley then asked him to go to the farm with her because she needs somebody that she can trust, but then went on to tell him she was going to try and kill him or wants somebody else to try and kill him. Michael then says he picked her up from the spa and they both drove to the farm, which was about 45 minutes away, in the middle of pretty much nowhere. And Michael was under the impression that Lindley would go and have a conversation that she needed to have with him, and that would be the end of it. So they walk into the snake barn together, and Michael says he was, quote, more locked in on that there's a whole lot of snakes, end quote. So he was looking at all these snakes. 
And then the next thing that he hears was a gunshot. He then looks up and sees Lindley pointing a gun in her hand. Now, this is when Michael says he ran out the door, hearing another two or three shots, and then another two once he was outside. But Michael swears he had nothing to do with Ben's murder and that he never meant for anybody to get hurt. He just, you know, he doesn't know him. He had no bad intentions towards him. But, um, I don't know. I really don't know about that one. So on January 16th, 2020, the police are finally ready to make a move after all of those years. Both Michael and Lindley are arrested for first degree murder, which shocked everybody. Nobody could believe it, especially knowing how sweet she was and their relationship and her relationship with Ben. It just seemed it didn't seem true to a lot of people and you know, I don't blame them really, but I guess you just never really know people or what their true intentions are, which is quite scary. But, you know, it's not that easy. They have interviews, they have the eyewitness accounts, but apart from that, they don't really have anything else. They don't have any hard evidence. I mean, they couldn't even prove who pulled the trigger. Was it Lindley or was it Michael? So this, this part is, obviously, it's all interesting. It's been a very wild case, but this is when it does get quite more interesting, let's say. So police start to do some more digging on Ben because they wanted to know everything there was to know about him. And this is when they took a look at his phone records. And honestly, I'm quite surprised they didn't do this earlier. I mean, I can't say for certain if they did or didn't look thoroughly. I don't know what was going on. Um, But there was a lot of messages to look over, especially messages between Ben and his friend Chase. I mean, they literally messaged each other every day. And after digging and reading through hundreds and thousands of messages, they came across some texts that bring a new theory to light and a calculating plot with poison. May 24th, 2017. Ben texts Chase, quote, I have a fun story. Food poisoning is dumb, or just poisoning, end quote. Chase replies, quote, LMFAO, I literally think y'all were poisoned at this point, end quote. Ben, quote, agree, or it was Linley all along, end quote. So once the police took a closer look, They realised there was more than meets the eye here. This was just a huge, big red flag waving in the wind. But a little bit of backstory. Okay, so two weeks before the murder, May 23rd, Lindley had told Ashley Shaw that Ben had been abusive, but there were no reports been made to the police about this abuse, but Ashley felt bad and somehow wanted to help her. So Ashley and Lindley got about 12 to 15 pills and made a plan to grind them down and put them in a smoothie to give it to Ben, basically telling him that she was thinking about selling them at a spa and, you know, she wanted him to try them. But shortly after they both drink the shake, Ben gets ill. And basically, if he wasn't sick, if he didn't throw it up, he would have probably died. So after those texts, 
Chase says, quote, LMAO, but why would she do it to herself too? Maybe the customer gave it to you and laughed because they dislike their service, end quote. Ben replies, quote, right, maybe, who knows why, she didn't seem as bad as me, so, end quote. Chase replies, quote, LMAO, lighter dose, end quote. And then from Ben, quote, besides, she needs the deal to pan out first before I die. She would walk away with legit three mil before selling property for another mil. If I died next year, Linley would be set for life. Fuck. End quote. Which, I mean, wow. It really does throw a spanner in the works, but it does show maybe a kind of different side to Linley. It kind of shows that she could be responsible for this. She could have, she could have it in her. I mean, who in the right mind poisons their own husband? But then again, from poisoning to shooting, I, I don't know, maybe she was that desperate. We really don't know. But what we do know is that Michael and Lindley are both facing first-degree murder charges. But only one of them shot Ben, and we still don't know who it is because they are just both blaming each other. But Michael goes on trial first in October 2021, And the state says Michael knows what they're going to go and do, but under the law, he bears as much legal responsibility for the charge as Lindley pulling the trigger. Now, the defence argues that Michael only drove uh, drove Lindley to the farm, sorry, and never planned to hurt Ben. But he does say that he took it upon himself to bring her a firearm that he had so she could use it as self-defense which again why would you bring a gun if you weren't planning on using it to hurt somebody i mean obviously america guns don't get me started but i feel like if you purposefully brought a gun to somewhere that could be you know a bit heated i don't get it Anyway, the jury gets it and they deliberate for a few hours before returning a verdict and Michael is found guilty of first degree murder and he says he was in absolute disbelief um, but yeah, he got life in prison without parole. Now two months later, Lindley's trial begins and during the trial it came out that Ben and Lindley had fought over financials of the spa because they weren't doing so well. And it's believed that she was actually pulling money out of the spa for personal use, amongst other things. Um, And these were things that Ben didn't even know about and that he was going to be informed of that by the bank prior to the murder. So these financial issues are a huge part of the case because it also speaks to what motive Lindley may have had to kill Ben. I mean, we already know that she would have inherited anything anyway, everything anyways, But the fact that he could have possibly found out what she had done might have just tipped it over the edge. Not sure, you know, if he is questioning her business judgment and, you know, arguing with her over money all the time, that might have upset her to maybe the point of killing him, which normal people wouldn't. But that that definitely is a big motive. So during Lindley's trial, her history of cheating was also unearthed. So during the marriage, she had numerous affairs, which again, did surprise quite a lot of people. You know, from the outside looking in, 
it seemed like a perfect relationship they seemed so happy but like I always say you never know what goes on behind closed doors and obviously she had quite a few doors um and then another surprise the defense calls their star witness which was Lindley herself and you will have heard me say this many times before it is so unusual that people do this like it's not very often that people will take the stand in their own defense but it seemed like she kind of knew what she was doing she was saying that ben was getting really upset about how much time she was focusing on the kids instead of dedicating it to him and um rennick reptiles she also testified that she had gone out there with michael to confront him about a divorce and when they were there she said she saw michael turn around with a gun in his hands and heard shots um and then obviously because she was so distraught that her husband had just been killed she decided to get back in the car with him and went about her day as if nothing happened hmm not quite sure i'm believing you there lindley so she was the whole day continuing to text michael who had apparently just killed her husband and other people and even put on a show for the school to pick up the kids she basically was trying to cover her tracks before and after the murder she was up there playing the victim so the jury goes to look over the evidence and everyone is feeling pretty confident you know the longer it goes on the more people are starting to get worried which is is normal um because you kind of want it to be open and shut and in the state of missouri the juries can convict for first degree murder or they can settle on a lesser offense and they can also determine the sentence for any reduced charge so when the decision arrives finally everyone is just on edge they really don't know what they're gonna say and the jury in her case says that she was guilty of murder but in the second degree and they only give her 13 years which is just over the minimum of 10 and three years for armed criminal action So in the end, it was Ben who managed to help get his killer behind bars through the text messages that he sent to his friend. It wasn't his snakes that killed him, like it was originally thought, but it definitely was a snake. His own wife had betrayed him and tried to cover it up. And that does conclude today's case. Um, So thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Absolutely crazy case. And I very, very do much (laughs) recommend, if that makes sense. I do recommend that you go and watch the Disney Plus documentary on this. It is How I Caught My Killer. It's the last episode of the series. I think it's called Target on My Back or something like that. But yeah, it's the last one. It's very good. And like I said at the beginning, this is where I got majority of the information. Um, yeah, majority of the information off there. But it is definitely still a very good watch. You can listen properly to the interviews. Um, Michael is also on there in prison and he talks through it all. So you can listen to him talking. Um, but I am glad that Ben and his family got the justice that they deserved. Finally got to rest with that. Um and yeah to say that they thought it was snakes and it turned out to be his wife is absolutely 
crazy. I would still like to know where he got that snake bite from though, because it looks pretty fresh on the on the picture. I'm not quite sure about that. Might have to have a look. Um, but yeah, that is me for now. Um, I'll be back on Thursday with a mini case, and I'm hopefully going to try and record some. Um, episodes for whilst I'm away I'm probably going to be off for like the next two or three weeks um, with my operation nothing to worry about nothing at all but yeah I'm hopefully going to sit down tonight and just try and blast out loads of episodes for you guys I've been writing them for the last few weeks um, so you don't have to miss anything but like I said if I don't then I really do apologize so I'm going to get on with that now and I will see you later. Um, if you want some more true crime, you can head over to the Prime for Crime TikTok where I post small snippets of cases daily. And yeah, I will see you later. Bye.